0: Brian again, your lunatic friend. It's still 1983, and the story of Jesus and music and the hot mess that Sweet Comfort Band was. After the last episode, you'd think we'd have enough disasters on a bus. But wait! There's more! We would discover that the bus took twice as long to get home in. Three of us would fly home, and two of us would drive the bus back. Actually, we would take turns. We were back in Texas again, the capital of Christian music back in the day. Dallas was the home of John Rivers and 20 The Countdown at KLTY. And we were on his show. We did a lot of concerts in Texas because they were playing our music and they were the biggest radio station in the country. Now we're headed home and it's my turn to drive. Randy was backup. This week we were the Blues Brothers and I was lead singer and driver of the Winnebago. Took Interstate 20 out of Midland and then west on Interstate 10 to El Paso. It's gotta be the most desolate part of Texas I've ever seen. So let's just get this over with. I'm at the wheel with my headphones on, listening to Lover Boy on my Sony Walkman and the pedal to the metal. I'm doing 80 on the highway to hell on a patch of pavement with no curves. But turns out there's an uphill grade about 200 miles out of El Paso. The elevation is changing, but you can't tell. And you also can't hear the whine of the bus engine 30 feet behind you. And the warning lights on the dashboard don't work. I know that now. I was on the back side of my Loverboy cassette when I checked my rear view mirror to see smoke pouring out of the back of the bus. We were flaming out like a Japanese Zero shot down over Midway. An immediate loss of Power, We rolled to a stop at about 100 yards, thick black smoke catching up with us and wafting over the freeway. A pillar of cloud by day, guiding us through the wilderness, had just ended our day's progress. Five minutes later, Randy and I are looking at the engine and looking down the freeway both ways. Nothing. Not even any traffic. We could have been on a deserted island. Good news is, the one thing that works is the CB radio. Breaker Breaker 1-9, I say in my country whine. You got the screaming machine here. Anyone got their ears on? I'm broke down westbound. Not sure what my 20 is. About five minutes go by, and we hear from an 18-wheeler headed westbound behind us. His CB handle was the lion tamer, and he pulls over to help. You're going to need a tow, he says in his country twang. Only place you're going to find a hauler for a bus is up in El Paso. I can give you a lift. So I'm going to go into El Paso while Randy stays with the bus. By the time we get there, I have to get a hotel room and schedule a tow truck first thing in the morning. And thanks to the brotherhood of truck drivers and C.B radio the cell phone of the times had one guy pull over knock on the front windshield to tell randy that he's gonna spend the night in the bus by himself till we could get the tow truck i don't remember what that tow truck cost but it was a 400 mile round trip pulling the bus for 200 miles which took all day we would leave the bus in el paso while kevin would call around from california start looking for a new engine we would find out later when they put in a new used engine three of the bolts that connected to the transmission would fall out the only way we would discover that is that we couldn't get the bus in first gear. We were off to our next concert by the time we discovered that, and I remember that one time in New Mexico where Kevin didn't want to stop the bus because he wouldn't get it back in gear, but we needed to eat. I'm just going to circle the McDonald's at 15 miles an hour, and you guys just jump out while I'm driving, get your food, and I'll come back around. So now we're not just musicians. No, we're paratroopers bailing out of a B-17 over Normandy. We would get our hamburgers and wait for the bus to come back around at a crawl, and we would start running and jump into the bus. He would circle McDonald's four times to get everybody back on. We ate at McDonald's a lot, and we had that burger stand to thank for ruining one of our first songs. It was our first recorded song. You can find it on YouTube. It's called Golden Ages. Never lay a hand on me. Hidden in the pages is a life behind the key. It was a reverent song, a tribute to our friend Bill Sprouse, who had passed away at 26 years of age. We were still singing it eight years later, until the day that we ruined it after eating at McDonald's, Randy and I started writing new lyrics. Singing Golden Arches, never lay your Mac on me, hidden in the mustard is a burger I can't see. And I would never be able to sing that song again without cracking up. Now it didn't have anything to do with McDonald's, but our sound man's name was Randy Ranberg, but we just called him Burger. And there was this one time where we had to drive all night to get to the next concert, and it was Burger's turn to drive. And there's a lot of straight highways in the Southwest, and driving them at night, it would increase the fatigue. So you had to find ways to keep yourself awake, so Berger decides to stand up while he's driving and put a book on the gas pedal. The rest of us were asleep at that point, and in trying to keep himself entertained, he would notice that he could take his hands off the wheel, and the bus would just drive straight as an arrow. That's when he decided that he could probably walk back to the refrigerator a few feet away, get something to drink, and get back. And he tries this a couple more times, each time going farther back into the bus, watching out the front windshield to make sure the bus was still going straight. And that's where he eventually wakes Randy up all the way in the back out of a dead sleep and says, Guess who's driving the bus? Nobody! Now, Randy never told me that story till after the tour was over. Of course, nobody knows if that's a true story or not, but it does sound like the mentality of the immature musicians that we were, even in our late 20s and early 30s. But it wasn't all immaturity. There were hours and hours of downtime where nobody said a word, spent a lot of time reading the Bible and the newspaper and maybe a book or two between music cassettes. I was almost never inspired to write songs while we were on the road because there was a general overall tiredness that just followed you around and after weeks on the road that fatigue would soak into your bones. They say that the average person spends one third of their life asleep. I never counted how many years we spent driving on the road, sitting somewhere, or being in a hotel, all to do an hour and a half concert, maybe three or four times a week. But I would think it's less than 10% of 100%. Hard to imagine that we were getting anything accomplished or that we would leave an impact. When concerts were done, we were on to the next town. We would almost never hear of any influence we might have brought. It was up to those who brought us in that would follow up with new converts to a faith in Jesus. People around church talk a lot about knowing a ministry or a work of God by the fruit that it produces. But you can't judge that too quick. You only see that one season out of four. So it's easy when you're approaching the winter of your own soul to discount your own validity. And at least for me, I was starting that season of my soul. Two years later, I would write a song about my firstborn son, and I would talk about seeing the pages fall from the calendar like leaves falling from the trees because i had just been through a fall season of my life and in 1984 i would enter the winter of my discontent i'll try not to make the next episode too sad but it will be the last year of the sweet comfort band it would end with us doing an album ironically called perfect timing hey i'm looking forward to hearing from you again on the comments page it means a lot to know you're enjoying the background stories of years gone by thanks for listening